I'm still playing catch-up, so this is another combined episode, and I'll be talking about a few different speakers, as well as the experience I had at RLI recently. This is Mike Fink, and this is episode 16 of 5-Minute Forest Hill. We had a fantastic and emotional presentation by Robin Stokes. She talked about the work done by her organization, Rotarians Against Slavery, to educate and empower the children and parents in disadvantaged areas, to resist the people who trick young people into slavery and similar exploitative situations. Some of these areas are very, very impoverished. When a child is offered what sounds like an opportunity, it can be very hard for a family in dire circumstances to take a clear-headed, considered, and informed view of it. The work done by Rotarians Against Slavery helps both the children and their families to understand better what likely awaits them. It can be difficult to convince people that they have rights that they should protect, and a better possible future, when all they see around them seems to go against the idea. Here's Robin talking about her work. Yeah, Mike, look, it's, I think slavery has to be attacked from many angles. Um, so, uh, yes, there is supply, there's prevention, there's the demand side, um, there's the prosecution of the criminals, um, there's the uh, our own shopping practices that we buy products produced by slaves. There are, you know, many angles of attacking this issue and they need to be attacked by all angles. Um, but I guess we are um, focusing on the prevention side of things by educating children, families um, about their rights uh, and uh, so they won't be seduced into... Um, going away for a good job um, and make themselves vulnerable to a slave-like existence. Um, so, yeah, we're working on the prevention side of things. Um, yeah. We also heard recently from Claire Caulfield. Claire is a rotor actor from Monash, the under-30 group of community-minded people have, at least in our neck of the woods, a focus on the malaria eradication program I talked about a few weeks ago. They're also, importantly, a valuable source of future Rotarians as they get older, as well as a bridge to developing interact clubs at secondary schools. In an age of slacktivism, it can be hard to get people who think of themselves as active in causes to take the next step and put their hands to the wheel. Here's Claire. No, I just wanted to ask a question. Do you think that you win more from uh, social media providing people with some idea of causes, or do you lose more from people getting lazy because they figure they can just click like and share and things like that? That is a really good question, Mike. Um, I think everybody's, well, in Rotaract, we're very aware of um, clicktivism. So just being, people thinking, it, yeah, clicking and sharing is going to be enough. Um, I think what we use social media for at Rotaract is to tell people about the um, events and the organisations that we're trying to sponsor. And we're trying to encourage them to come to our events and come to our um, our meetings, which is an extra step 
above just clicking. Um, but I do think the fallout of social media is that, yes, slacktivism, people think that, they, that they're helping when really they're vaguely finding out what it's about and just approving of it. Right. Well, it sounds like you're, you're trying to make social media work um, to get people to take that yeah. next step. It's all about come and meet some real people and talk about the issue and then find a way to do something about it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. A lot of clubs look at the Rotaractors with some anticipation, hoping that as this group gets older, they'll have a shot at some new members. It's not a guarantee. Just like recruiting brand new people is a challenge, this will be also. I've harped on about both marketing Rotary to new potential members and the difficulties of getting my head around such a very large organization previously. My recent attendance at the RLI training sessions have added immeasurably to this thinking, as well as providing further incentive to reach out to other clubs and to suppress my own ego. We're asking people to join our club, and more importantly, we're asking them to support Rotary International on any and every level that they're able to. Non-member volunteers are powerful assets. Donors to the fundraisers are vital. We can't do the work without members, but members alone may not be the answer, and focusing solely on our own club almost certainly isn't. A few weeks ago, Greg Ragg talked about his involvement in the Fiji Scholarship Program. Greg's a member of the Dingley Club, but the project is run from the Hampton Club, his old stomping ground. Greg maintained that connection because it was a project he was passionate about. But what if we started with the idea that the club and the projects weren't quite so connected as most of us tend to think they are? Knox had a joint volunteer night that was a tremendous success recently, and I think it was largely due to disconnecting the two issues. If a potential member likes a program operated by one club but prefers the meeting times or another, we should try our best to make that happen. It's a gigantic organization, and we probably don't take advantage of that often enough. In the business world, we'd call our focus on our own club silo thinking. Ego can encourage us to assert dominion over members or projects because we'd like some credit. I'm as guilty of this as anybody, but service above self is probably an indication of where our priorities should be. Give help to some other clubs, take help from some other clubs, and share your knowledge, resources, and members to achieve even more of the fantastic things Rotary is known for. That's it for this week. I'll be back in a week or two with another episode. I'm Mike Fink, and this was 5-Minute Forest Hill.